Coming up next, MLR and USA Rugby Chatter with Steve Lewis and Ronan Nelson. Brought to you by Friends of the British Council. Hey everybody, welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy talking rugby here in the Fantasy Sports Network Studio 34 in New York City. And I have the debonair Steve Lewis here on the set with me. And we have Ronan Nelson calling in from San Diego. Gentlemen, welcome. Good afternoon, Matthew. Good afternoon, Stephen. Good afternoon, Ronan. Good afternoon, Ronan. Thanks, Matt. Uh, let's dive right into America, American rugby. And before we talk uh, American Major League Rugby, let's get a little uh, skinny on some of the stuff that's going on with USA Rugby because you are indeed uh, a congressman and a person that's um, been instrumental in some of the change. Okay, well, first off, Army women won their fourth tournament out of five. They're 23-1 and one for the spring, so Army women's seven's going well. Secondly, Battle of New York this week, Old Blue versus New York Athletic Club, 12 noon, Bakerfield, Saturday. You mean that's not the Battle of New York that I'm talking about with the Village Lions and the New York Rugby Club? That, that's a whole different battle, <laughs> whole different weapons. But, um, yeah, on to USA Rugby and things of import, as you stress. Um, probably the biggest news coming out is the um, appointment of Ross Young as interim CEO of USA Rugby. So with Dan Payne uh, migrating or, or changing jobs, he's now working for World Rugby as the Rugby America's North manager, which is a pretty uh, important job and a good thing that we have an American in there. It's the best gig on the planet, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. sure. It's the one I wanted. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, so Ross is the interim CEO, and you couldn't have a better guy or a better qualified guy to do this role at this tricky time. Ross comes most recently as the CEO from Atavis. He was the CEO of Atavis, but he has a long record in European and professional rugby. Ex-CEO of Harlequins. He uh, was also instrumental in the Eng England World Cup and just a, a skilled and experienced administrator. Uh, good Scotsman and just a good rugby guy. So he's going to be terrific in that Scotsman? job. There are a few <laughs> Rangers supporters. Um, so that, that's the first thing. Obviously, we're, we're in a bit of a tricky time right now. Um, there are some delicate financial matters and issues going on. Um, that so, you may or may not be Yeah, I, I can't really disclose much of it. There's some so delicate financial negotiations, but we're in a bad spot. I think everyone knows that. Um, there are some plans in place to get us out of that spot, so we have to let them play out. Mm -hmm. We have some... Um, uh, talented and very invested people, both financially and emotionally, such as Mark Lamborn and John Bobbitt. They're kind of working working this thing, and we have to sort of let them get on with it and uh, put our trust in them, which we do. Okay, so ultimately it's going to be a good thing. And for the folks at home that might not know this about Ross Young, A, he's tall. Indeed. He's a very good guy. He is. And he was basically, he came over here as a consultant, um, vowing never to move again for rugby, to his wife, if, if I'm not mistaken, and it was Sarevi, was what Adivis used to be, and he came over to be a consultant and look in the business, and they talked him into staying, not only staying, but taking over as CEO of, of Sarevi, and he was the one that really drove the change of the name of the brand to Adivis, right? Yeah, and, and so his primary responsibility is, um, uh, as long as, as, as well as navigating this tricky uh, moment that we're in, but really pushing the Rugby World Cup Sevens in San Francisco. So he's shuttling between there and Boulder, and he'll do a terrific job in that. And it's, uh, it's important for everyone that that is a success, uh, irrespective of your opinions about the USA Rugby Board. Mine are well known. Um, 
irrespective of your opinions about the World Cup sevens, but they have to succeed. And so we have to get behind Ross and help him with that. Right. I'm getting, you know, I'm getting some people throwing me some, some complaints that maybe there's a conflict of interest about him being part of Atavis and then also being the interim and potential long-term CEO of USA Rugby. It could look like that, and, uh, but it's not. So, so Ross is you know, obviously an honorable man. He's going to do the right thing. Um, he has um, divested himself of those responsibilities with Atavis. So there is no conflict of interest, and we should just embrace him and support him. All right. All right. Speaking of supporting him, uh, Perry Baker, any words on, on Perry Baker? Because he is uh, a big, big part of that sevens puzzle, specifically if his injury is long term. Yeah, not sure, actually. I mean, uh, it was either shoulder or head. I, I haven't had been able to get an update. Obviously, it's a big issue. He's a big weapon. I mean, Carlin came on day two and, and day one and played particularly, played very well. Um, it was an interesting weekend for the U.S. Sevens. Uh, Singapore Sevens, they finished ninth. And normally, you know, you want to be in the, the, the quarterfinals, you want to be in the cup rounds. But comparatively, they did quite well. They actually moved up one spot in the rankings to fifth. They, um, they responded to the adversity well on day two, which is important. They bloodied a lot of young guys, Malone Aljaburi, Cody Melfi, Matina, lots of guys getting more time. So building depth, that's a positive. Um, the way they responded, that's a positive. But obviously the big question mark's Perry. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Ronan Nelson's brief recap of last weekend and our predictions. We'll be right back. been blind since I was four. And I've never seen a beer commercial or a beer label. None of that stuff influences me. I drink beer because of the taste. And my beer is Pabst Blue Ribbon. It has the taste and the flavor. What do you think's on the label? I think there's a, a naked woman riding on a unicorn, jumping over fire. That's good beer. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig and Whistle, on West 36th Street. Hey, everybody, we are back at Rugby Wrap-Up, talking rugby in New York City at Studio 34, the Fantasy Sports Network. Steve Lewis with me in the studio, Ronan Nelson calling in. And, Ronan, we understand you have figured out your difficulty, so give us a very brief recap on last weekend's matches. Thanks, Matt. My apologies. I can't actually get my video feed to work right now, so we're just going to have to dive straight into this Houston-Austin matchup. The first Major League Texan derby was a very exciting affair. 50 points to 38, a lot of scoring on the board, but Houston never looked like they were going to lose this match. They were 14-0 up within 10 minutes, and Austin was always one foot behind. They scored many times on the counterattack, but every time Austin scored, Houston would counter straight back with another try. Austin, a little more disappointing in their defensive effort than I thought they were going to be. They'll improve throughout the season, but Houston looking like a team that they were supposed to be going into that first New Orleans matchup. So, Steve, you just heard his recap of the Sabercats-Austin match. Personally, I had seen Austin prior up in Glendale, and I thought if they could get maybe a couple of three practices under their belts as a unit with all the new faces that they might surprise the Sabercats, especially after they had the disapp- disappointing loss to, to Nola, but, but I was wrong. You're wrong. So Austin, um, actually this game wasn't as close as the score ended up being, 50-38. Houston had it pretty much in hand. 
Um, so Austin are 0-2. They've had some, you know, injuries pre-season. We discussed, like, the front row, front five. They've been scrambling. They brought some guys in, a couple of guys from New York. Mike Brown from Old Blue, Ross Deacon, Marcus Walsh from the AC. Um, Todd Clever's back. But once they get their full complement back, I spoke with Pedri Vandenberg this morning. He, he seems to think they're going to be okay. Pedri, Pedri uh, is, he, is he going to stay in the cleats? I believe so. You know, a hamstring injury, which is uh, something that only we backs ought to get, not uh, forwards, certainly not geriatric forwards like Pedri. Right. But uh, good on him. He said he was, his body was okay other than that. So um, he, he's got, there's some life in the old dog left there. He's, a, he's an experienced player, obviously. He, know, he right. knows the right angles. All right, Ronan, uh, give us the second one. All right, let's move into the second match of the weekend. Seattle taking on the Glendale Raptors in Seattle in front of another sold-out crowd. The Raptors, even without Ben Landry and Connor Cook, were able to pull out a great win on the road and suffocate what had been an incredibly strong Seattle Seawolves forward pack and set piece. The Raptors were all over the park against the Seawolves. They were on offense in the first half. They were on defense in the second half. They were playing absolutely great interplay between their forwards. The Seawolves did their best to be able to counterattack as often as they could, but they couldn't find the opportunities. And when they did have the opportunities, they made mistakes. It's something that will be fixed come next week for the Seawolves. They're one of the stronger teams in this Major League Rugby season. And the matchup come later in the season between these two teams will be fantastic. Guys, this was a good one. And Seattle was at home with their rowdy fans that make noise when the opposing kicker is kicking. And uh, also, you had Glendale with guys that were suspended, right? Yeah, as Ronan mentioned, and you've alluded to, um, both uh, Ben Landry and Connor Cook were both red carded for for, um, dangerous tackles last week. Both got three-match suspensions, which is a significant part of the season. Um, so Do you yeah. agree with those suspensions? Um, I thought they might have been appealed and reduced a little bit. I mean, I, I thought they were... Sending they, a message to the guys? Perhaps that's what they were doing in the league, and maybe that's a good thing. I mean, they were, they were red card offenses, but um, it's hard to say. That, that's the entry level for that type of offense, so can't really complain. It's dangerous, so, you know, it has to be punished. Um, but anyway, so Glendale, strength and depth. Um, this was a tricky fixture, playing up there against in a hostile crowd, and I'm all for Seattle fans booing kickers if they want to do it. I think it's good that we develop local identities, and if that's their thing, that's their thing. So, um, Seattle performed well. This was a tight one. Uh, Glendale, though, toughed it out. 19-15, on the road, missing key guys. Glendale still looking the cream of the crop. Zach Finolio, the Eagle teacher slash pharmaceutical salesman that you coached, or no, have known since he was a wee lad, uh, was playing flanker and then moved to hooker. Yeah, he was never a wee lad, but yeah, coached him as a <laughs> coached him as a schoolboy. Um, great player, great guy. Um, started as you say, flanker moved in a hooker. So, so Glendale have got um, <clears throat> strength and depth, and as to say, they are the preseason favorite and with good reason. All right, and Ronan, uh, give us a skinny on that last match. All right, so the final match of the weekend came between the San Diego Legion and the Utah Warriors. The Legion pulling off a 31-24 victory to be able to take the win in front of their home crowd. Utah made the trip down to San Diego for their first Major League Rugby matchup and looked strong in many facets of the match, but it was the injection of five USA Eagles into the San Diego Legion side that really gave the home team the victory. They were on the board within the first two minutes, and 
pushed Utah to their limits in the first half. Utah had a good mid-game comeback, especially after halftime, but the fitness levels of the Utah Warriors really showed, and San Diego was able to capitalize in the final quarter of the match and be able to take their first victory of the season. So, Ronan, you and I talked about this off-camera a little bit, and we talked about it uh, a couple of times. Was this a product, again, of Utah not being fit because... So Utah, yeah, uh, struggling a little bit, a little undercut coming into the season in terms of their uh, conditioning preseason, I think, and that kind of showed. Uh, they also had a, a, an absolute nightmare with their lineup, particularly in the first half. They couldn't hit a barn door. Um, couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. There you go. There base, you baseball, go. Baseball term in America, baseball term. So, um, so yeah, they came out on the wrong side of the ledger. San Diego, I thought, were improved. They sorted out most of their scrummaging issues, not... Perfect, and they're still not going to be strong there, but they got to hang on there. That's they, because Hawkins was on this show. That's why they won. Get that, MLR people out there? Seattle? Everybody else out there? Get on the show. Sorry. So that means an Austin win, then, if Drew's on the show coming up. Yeah. But um, <laughs> San Diego, weapons all across the park. I thought uh, Nate Augsburger thought was back to his sharpest best. He had a really good game. Um, I liked Leader at fly half. I mean, I'm a big fan of Seema, but it seemed Leader was preferred, as a red-headed Irishman, was preferred to Seema this weekend. Seema's on the bench. So that was interesting. Um, Mikey Taylor wasn't there. Osley was back. Matches is there. They, they got weapons in that back division in yeah. San Diego, and if they can produce enough ball, they will be okay. But they, they got the win. And don't rule out that old speedster. See, just waiting for him to... Uh, to to light it up. Didn't get the, quite the opportunity. What was pretty cool in week one was watching the matchup of Matthew Drew Turner and Naguena, right? A couple of rapid veterans. All right, so uh, let's get to predictions, and we're basically out of time. So, Ronan, game one. In the first match, I'm going to ride the wave that NOLA made in their very first match against the Houston Sabercats. They're going to roll on to victory for their second of the season. Okay, so New Orleans and in, in Austin, Steve. New Orleans, away win. All right, I'm going with New Orleans, despite the fact that I think Austin's going to be the best 0-3 team because Nolan Nate knows. Nate Osborne predicted his team was going undefeated. He's undefeated two weeks into the season. All right, next one. In the second match of the weekend, San Diego takes on Houston. I'm going to go San Diego, given they are at home. They've already played Houston in San Diego once before. I think they're going to be able to watch a good amount of film. They're going to be able to be more cohesive this time around. I'm going to give San Diego the edge one or two points maximum. All right, Steve. Sabercats? Got to disagree there. Got to disagree. This is a Friday night game, Torero, which is a beautiful facility in San Diego, incidentally. I'm going for the home team. I think they survive up front, go well behind. I think I'm going to have to agree with you, and and I, it's going to make a lot of Houston Sabercats fans unhappy if their team goes one and two because they they seem to be the favorites out of the gate in, in terms of preparation at least. And um, I'm going to go along with that prediction. And the final match, Ronan. And in the third match of the weekend, we touched on it already. Utah's fitness level is just not there yet. Glendale is going to walk into Utah. They're going to be the favorites, and they are going to come away with the victory by, I'm going to say, 10 points or more. This is, again, I think you, the, the depth of, of Glendale, but you go first. So Glendale, on the road again, uh, I'm going to pick them to win again. Um, Utah at home, this, maybe this is an opportunity for them to you know, make a statement, lay down a marker, as it were, but I, I'm, I'm going to go with Glendale. I just don't see anyone getting past them. Here's a dumb question, but is this a Rocky Mountain Derby? It is indeed Salt Lake. 
Denver. Rocky Mountain Derby, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going with Steve on this one. Uh, I'm going to go with the Denver team. I mean, yeah, I'm going, I'm going with uh, Rugby Town USA's team on the road uh, in Glendale. And on that note, we are out of time, so uh, we got to go. But, uh, Stephen, thank you for coming on. Ronan, thank you for calling in. I'm Matt McCarthy for Rugby Wrap-Up here at the Fantasy Sports Network Studio 34, talking rugby in New York City. <laughs>